Stages of Labor Women will often self-prevent to obstetrical triage with concern for the onset of labor. Common chief complaints include painful contractions, vaginal bleeding, bloody show, and fluid leakage from the vagina. It is up to the clinician to determine if the patient is in labor, defined as regular clinically significant contractions with an objective change in cervical dilation and or effacement. When women first present to labor and delivery unit, vital signs including temperature, heart rate, oxygen, saturation, respiratory rate, and blood pressure should be obtained and reviewed for any abnormalities. The patient should be placed on continuous cardiographic monitoring to ensure fetal well-being. The patient's prenatal blood record, including obstetrical history, surgical history, medical history, laboratory, and imaging data should undergo review. Finally, a review of the present illness, review of systems, and physical exam, including a sterile speculum exam, will need to take place. During the sterile speculum exam, clinicians will look for signs of rupture of membranes, such as amniotic fluid pooling in the posterior vaginal cavity. If the clinician is unsure whether or not a rupture of membranes has occurred, additional testing such as pH testing, microscopic exam looking for uh, ferning of the fluid, or laboratory testing of the fluid can be the next step. Amniotic fluid pH has a, has a pH of 7.0 to 7.5, which is more basic than normal vaginal pH. A sterile gloved exam should be done to determine the degree of cervical dilation and effacement. The measurement of cervical dilation is made by locating the external uh, cervical os and spreading one's fingers in a V-shape and estimating the distance in centimeters between the two fingers. Effacement is measured by estimating the percentage remaining of the length of the thin cervix compared to the uneffaced cervix. During the cervical exam, confirmation of the presenting fetal part is also necessary. Bedside ultrasound can be applied to confirm the presentation and position of fetal monitoring presenting part. Particular mention should be noted to the case of breach presentation due to its increased risk regarding fetal morbidity and mortality compared to cephalic presentation fetus. Management of normal labor. Labor is a natural process, but it can suffer interruption by complicating factors, which at times is, is necessitate clinical intervention. The management of low-risk labor is a delicate balance between allowing the natural process to proceed while limiting any potential complications. During labor, cardio Echographic monitoring is often employed to monitor uterine contractions and fetal heart rate over time. Clinicians monitor fetal heart rate tra tracings to evaluate any signs of fetal distress that would warrant intervention as well as ad adequacy of, or inadequacy of contractions. Vital signs of the mother are taken at regular intervals and wherever concerns are arise regarding clinical status change. Laboratory testing often includes hemoglobin, hematocrit, and platelet count and is sometimes repeated following a delivery if significant blood loss occurs. Cervical exams are usually performed every two to three hours unless concerns arise and warrant more frequent exams. Frequent cervical exams are associated with a higher risk of infection, especially if a rupture of membranes has occurred. Women should be allowed to, to ambulate freely and change position if desired. An intravenous catheter is typically inserted in cases necessary to administer medications or fluids. Oral intake should not be withheld. If the patient remains without food or drink and a over a prolonged period of time, intravenous fluid should be considered to help replace losses but do not need to be used continuously on all laboring patients. Analgesia is often in the form of intravenous opioids, inhaled nitrous oxide, and neuroaxial analgesia, which in uh, those that are appropriate candidates. Amniotomy is considered as an as-needed basis for fetal scalp monitoring or labor augmentation, but its routine use is discouraged. Oxytocin may be limited or initiated to augment contractions found to be inadequate. First stage of labor. 
Then the first stage of labor begins when the labor when the labor starts and ends with full cervical dilation to 10 centimeters. Labor often begins spontaneously or may be induced medically for a variety of maternal or fetal indications. Methods of inducing labor include cervical ripening with prostaglandins, membrane stripping, am amniotomy, and intravenous oxytocin. Although precisely determining when labor starts may be inexact, labor is generally defined as the beginning when the contractions become strong and regularly spaced at approximately three to five minutes apart. Women may experience painful contractions throughout pregnancy that do not lead to cervical dilation or effacement, referred to as false labor. Thus, defining the onset of labor often re relies on retrospective or subjective data. Friedman and others were some of the first to study the labor process and define the beginning of labor as starting when women felt significant and regular contractions. He graphed cervical dilation over time and determined that the normal labor has a sigmoidal shape. Based on the analysis from his labor graphs, he proposed that labor has three divisions. First, a preparatory phase marked by slow cervical dilation with, with large biochemical and structural changes. This is also known as the latent phase of the first stage of labor. Second, a much shorter and rapid dilational phase is also known in the, as the active phase of the first stage of labor. Third, a pelvic division phase which takes place during the second stage of labor. The first stage of labor is further divides into two phases, defined as the degree of cervical dilation. The latent phase is commonly referred, defined as the zero to six centimeters, while the active phase commences from six centimeters to full dilation. The presenting fetal part also begins the process of engagement into the fetus and uh, into the pelvis during the first stage. Throughout the first stage of labor, serial cervical exams are done to determine the position of the fetus cervical dilation and cervical effacement. Cervical effacement refers to the cervical length of the anterior posterior plane when the cervix is completely thinned out and no length is left. This is referred to as 100% effacement. The station of the fetus is defined relative to its position in the maternal pelvis. When the bony fetal present presenting part is aligned with the maternal ischial spine, the fetus is at zero station. Proximal to the ischial spines are stations negative one centimeter to negative point to negative five centimeters. The distal and ischial spines is one to five station. The first stage of labor contains a latent phase and an active phase. During the latent phase, the cervical dilates slowly at to approximately six centimeters. The latent phase is generally considered longer and less predictable with regard to the rate of cervical change and is observed in the active phase. A normal latent phase can last up to 20 hours and 14 hours in a nulliparous or multiparous women. Retro, uh, respectively without being considered prolonged. Sedation can increase the duration of the latent phase of labor. The cervix changes more rapidly and predictably in the active phase until it reaches 10 centimeters and cervical dilation and effacement are complete. Active labor with more cervical dilation generally starts around six centimeters of dilation. During the, the active phase, the cervical, the cervix typically dilates at a rate of 1.2 to 1.5 centimeters per hour. Multiparas or women with a history of prior vaginal delivery tend to demonstrate more rapidly rapid cervical dilation. The absence of cervical change for greater than four hours in the presence of adequate contractions or six hours with inadequate contractions considered the arrest of labor and may warrant clinical interventions. Second stage of labor. The second stage of labor commences with cervical dilation to, centimeter, to 10 centimeters and ends with the delivery of the neonate. This was also designed, defined as the pelvic division phase by Friedman. After cervical dilation is complete, the fetus descends into the vaginal canal with or without maternal pushing efforts. The fetus passes through the birth canal via seven movements known as the cardinal movement. These include engagement, descent, flexion, internal rotation, extension, external rotation, and expulsion. In women who have delivered vaginally previously, whose bodies are acclimated to delivering a fetus, the second stage may only require a brief trial, whereas a longer duration 
may be required for a nulliparous female in part in uh, parturients without neuroaxial anesthesia. The second stage of labor typically lasts less than three hours in nulliparous women and less than two hours in multiparous women. In women who receive uh, neuroaxial anesthesia, the second stage of labor typically lasts less than four hours in nulliparous women and less than three hours in multiparous women. And the second stage of labor lasts longer than these parameters. Then the second stage is considered prolonged. Several elements may influence the duration of the second stage of labor, including fetal factors such as fetal size and position, or maternal factors such as pelvis shape, the magnitude of expulsive e efforts, comorbidities such as hypertension, diabetes, age, and history of previous deliveries. Third stage of labor. The third stage of labor commences when the fetus is delivered and concludes with delivery of the placenta. Separation of the placenta from the uterine interface is hallmarked by three cardinal signs, including a gush of blood in the vagina, lengthening of the umbilical cord, and globular-shaped uterine fundus on palpation. Spontaneous expulsion of the placenta typically takes between 5 and 30 minutes. A delivery time of greater than 30 minutes is associated with higher risk of postpartum hemorrhage and may be an indication for manual removal or other intervention. Management of the third stage of labor involves placing traction on the umbilical cord with simultaneous fundal pressure to affect faster placental delivery.